Greetings and welcome to episode 47 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Dwork, here with you again. And uh, well, we've reached the NHL's annual holiday break, maybe maybe a little prematurely. And, you know, obviously uh, we're hoping that everybody's healthy and ready to go by the time the holiday break ends in about a week. But uh, we have reached the break. And so I thought it would be a good time to bring back an old friend of the pod, Ian Margle, and, and go through some of the, uh, the Panthers roster and just kind of give our take on how we think certain guys are doing at this point of the season. It's something that we've done before. We did it a couple of years ago before the coronavirus hit and uh, we'll do it again this year. So on that note, I'll welcome Ian back on the pod once again, Ian, thank you for joining me. And I promise not to drag this, this, uh, this podcast to an hour and a half, like I did that last time. So when I need to shut up, just, you know, hand signal me or something, they can't see it. Yeah. I'll, I'll it's reach. not a visual medium. No, nobody, nobody knows. We could be sitting right next to each other or we could be on zoom. I, I, well, I mean, I guess you kind of gave it away, but they may not have known otherwise. All right, we've already well, made this. I didn't. going to say we've already made this awkward and weird, so we're we're off on the right start. <laughs> um, Standard so, start for yep. us. So let's. Uh, I'll kick it off with uh, talking about some of, I guess, the guys that really don't need to be talked about a whole lot because they're doing exactly what you would expect them to do in the best of ways. Uh, the first guy, obviously, top of my list, uh, is a guy we've seen not nearly enough of this year, and that's Sasha Barkov. Uh, I mean, what more can you say about him uh, other than you'd like to see him in the lineup more, you know, obviously with the, the knee injury and now the upper body injury, he's missed, uh, I think, 12 or 13 games. We we're talking about it a minute ago. Um, but when he's been in there, he's been great. He's been driving play. He's been scoring goals. Uh, he's really he the only thing that he hasn't done well is the same thing he hasn't done well for the last few years. And that's shootouts, which we want to outlaw anyway and just go to 10 minute three on three. Um, but that's another podcast for another time. But um, overall, Ian, I mean, really, uh, when Barkov's been on the ice, is there anything more you could ask of him this season? No. And I think, I mean, other than other than staying healthy, which I think is the other thing he's had trouble with uh, in the last couple of seasons. And how do you really fault a guy like Barkov for that? So, no, I mean, look, this is sort of the fully evolved form of Alexander Barkov, it seems. And, you know, it seems like he can still get even higher, but if the, if there was one complaint that we've, that we as fans and as people who have followed the team for so long have had of Alexander Barkov ever was that sometimes it seemed like he was almost too pass first. He was a little too hesitant to shoot the puck. Well, he, we just said it, he missed, he's missed 13 games, only played in 16 out of 29 games. And he's still tied for the team lead in goals, right? So he's got 10, 8, 18. And I, I mean, it's hard to, it sucks that he has not been able to stay on the ice uh, in the last dozen plus games. But what we have seen from, from Alejandro Barkov, uh, as, as Miami should know him, uh, mm. is... I've never heard that before. I just made that up. And honestly, I hate it. Yeah, and, I, I figured you know, that. I'm never going to say it again. I'm uh, with it. Everything that we've seen. You know, well, you shouldn't have. You should have called me out for that. It was pretty horrible. <laughs> uh, everything we've seen from Sasha um, has been exactly what this team needs. Um, it was impressive and has been impressive how well they've been able to do without him in the lineup. But I, I think that, honestly, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. They're getting kind of this early holiday break, give him a little bit more time to rest up without missing more games. I uh, would love to see him back soon. 
Yeah, that's actually something that uh, I was talking about, shameless plug, on my uh, YouTube show on Monday afternoons on the Five Reasons uh, Sports YouTube channel was uh, just that, that if you're looking for a silver lining or if you're trying to find a positive in this whole uh, COVID situation that the Panthers are going through and that really a big part of the league is going through right now, it's that it gives, A, it gives all the guys who got sick a chance to get healthy and get back on their feet, and B, it gives the injured guys who are you know nipping right. to get back in the lineup talking about Sasha Barkov. You're talking about Max Mammon, uh, Gus Forsling had been out. He had, he had the flu, uh, Mason Marchment. He's been on the ice. He's getting close. He could be returning when we get back as well. So, um, you know, there, there could be a, a pretty formidable Panthers team, not far on the horizon. Um, but yeah, getting Barkov back is certainly going to be key to that. And, and just one final note on Barkov before we move on. Um, as you were saying, you know, this is like peak Barkov. This is what we were waiting and hoping to see for so long. He's still just 26 years old. So there's still reason to believe that we have not seen the, the top of Mount Barkov, that the summit could continue and we could see, yeah, I know I took that metaphor a little far, but um, well, no, like better we, than Alejandro Barkov. No, but that's who's waiting on top of the mountain is uh, that's is. our guy. Meet Alejandro. Um, <laughs> no, but I, it's just, it's crazy to think that, um, you know, we've seen the, the last really couple of years, uh, him really take his game to another level. And uh, just to think that th there could be more coming uh, when he's already been so amazing, it's, it's just kind of makes you drool. And then when you think about the fact that he's locked up for another eight years at a fairly reasonable AAV, and I think that's going to become even more reasonable three, four, five years down the line when finally the salary cap starts going up again. Um, there's just so much to like about this. So Barky, get well soon. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, next up, Ian, uh, Barkov's line mate for a long time. Now, not anymore. Now he's basically carrying a line on his own this season. And that's Jonathan Huberto. Um, just kind of like Barkov, Ian, I think we've seen Huberto's game really ascend and he's taken it to another level the last couple of years as well. Um, Huberto leading the team in points with 33 points in 29 games. Um, just like Barkov, Huberto's got 10 goals and, you know, you, the 23 assists as you would expect from Huberto. Um, you're seeing him in all situations this season now, which you're, you know, you're seeing a lot of these key forwards playing a lot of different situations. Um, but with Huberto, I think as much as he produces points wise, which obviously you have to do, I think he's also uh, maturing in that leadership role in that, you know, locker room role and that yeah, like he, he said he wanted to bulk up in the off season so he could get more physical with guys and, and, you know, get in that sense of the game. So he's just really rounding into this, really amazing young man and hockey player, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, and I like what you brought up, and this is what I wanted to mention was him being used in every phase of the game, getting that shorthanded time. He had, and we'll get into uh, Lundell and Lestarnan later, I'm sure. But I, I mean, seeing Jonathan Huberto in that role, Huberto in that role and seeing him, I mean, look, he is the guy. There's no Barkov to shoulder some of the load right now. Sure, Aaron Ekblad is playing, I mean, is, is at the top of his game right now too, looking great, looking like having a great season. We'll talk more about him. Jonathan Huberto is, is leading this team right now, especially with Barkov being out for so much of the season at this point uh, and extremely impressed. It's a guy that is, it's hard to, to, to say he is, grittier or he's doing this better because it's it's Jonathan Huberto he's been so good at these things 
for all this time. And again, he's only 28 years old. So he's just getting better or just really hitting his peak right now. Uh, or really getting into that prime, but you're seeing this guy who you mentioned wanted to add a new element to his game this season. And it, it is very impressive. He's leading the team with 33 points. The next closest guy is Ekblad with 24. Now I'm sure Barkov would be up there too, if he had been playing, but the reality is he hasn't. And Jonathan Huberto is nine points ahead of anybody else on the team because, and, and we will discuss this as well. I'm sure while physically supporting the top six right now of this team. Uh, and I, I'm very, very impressed with what I've seen from Huberto. Uh, I am knock on wood, hoping he can stay healthy and keep doing this because this is going to be a historic season for him, potentially for the franchise. Uh, and him leading this team through it is incredibly impressive. And uh, I've got honestly nothing bad to say about his game right now. Yeah, it's a good thing that he bulked up the way he did because he's been carrying this team on his shoulders, his <laughs> newly formed shoulders. Uh, for for and you know, he's least... doing those squats. Yeah, like got to carry, for... got to be able to carry that load. So um, it's it's <laughs> exciting to think of. And uh, you you mentioned the the next guy who I wanted to talk about, and uh, that's basically the the other member of the Panthers' big three. When you talk about like the foundational pieces of this team that have been here for nearly a decade between the three of them now, and that's Aaron Ekblad, the youngest of the group. Still, still, he's just twenty-five years old. It's crazy to that's think these guys. Crazy. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> like they've been around. Like Ekblad, I mean, for you know, he started as an eighteen-year-old rookie. So yeah, he's been in the league right. for I guess eight years now, but he's still just twenty-five. Like unbelievable because he's so good. He's nearly a point per game defenseman. And he's like a shutdown defenseman. That, that's the part of his game that's really come around so well. Um, he's just so good, both, both ends of the ice. He's a great distributor. He's great at possessing the puck. You're seeing him more and more with uh, do fun things in the offensive zone, carrying it around the outside. Um, but it's his defensive play, and that's where it's got to start. And he's just been – you really can't ask for much more of him. I mean, positionally, he's sound. He's got a good stick. He doesn't make mistakes, which I think is the is the one different the differentiator between him and his defensive partner and Mackenzie Weeder. Both sure. skate extremely well, both great stick, both good positionally. Weeder's just a little bit more prone to making a mistake and giving the puck away. And Ekblad simply doesn't do it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what more can you say about the guy other than he's just 25? <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, and 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 uh just really quickly on Weeger, I think. Uyghurs had a couple rough games in a row here toward the end of this. And, and look, the guy played how many minutes in that last game when they were, when they were hit by COVID. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So, and that was, and, and uh, I would say that was outside of the fact that he played a bunch of minutes. I think that was probably Mackenzie Uyghurs worst game of the season. Um, but you know, whatever, everyone's going to have a bad game. Uh, but what Aaron Ekblad is doing right now, and I know our, friends who are uh, uh, really into, into analytics and stats will say that at plus minus is an imperfect statistic. And it absolutely is right there. You know, there it's totally swayed by offensive defensive zone starts, but when your top pairing is at a plus 17 and a plus 14, and they're leading your entire team in plus minus, uh, it, it does mean something, right? It's not like Aaron Eckblad and McKenzie Weger are only getting offensive zone starts. It's not. They're not a third pairing defensive team, uh, defensive pairing. 
they are the number one defensive pairing. They're going up against very often the best line from the other team, and they're doing it at a high level. Uh, Aaron Ekblad, watching him, I mean, will he win the Norris? Maybe not just simply because awards are more given because of what people think than what really happens on the ice. And he plays in South Florida. So a lot of the votes could from uh, North of the border. Don't see go down the season's there, but... young. Yeah, I can see Ekblad picking North. up some attention. He scores a few big goals the way he did last year before I he got would, hurt. Sure. I would, I mean, look, he's got, he's got 24 points, right? He's second on the team in points behind Huberto. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 24 um, points but, in 28 games for the 25 year old shutdown defenseman. I would not be surprised if he was a finalist. I would be surprised if he won simply because it seems that uh, those votes from north of the border have trouble at customs and don't seem to really get this far <laughs> south ever. Um, so, I mean, look, Aaron Eckblad is having a, f- a fantastic season. Uh, I'm happy to see him healthy. What clearly is fully healthy. He's skating as strongly as ever. His shot is absolutely lethal. Uh, and, I mean the power play is something that is concerning because their head coach was head of the power play, but nonetheless won't get into that right now. Uh, but seeing what he, I know, seeing what he does on the power play and what he brings to this team in general, from an offensive standpoint, as a legitimate lockdown defenseman at 25 years old, who is, still just scratching the surface uh, of what he can really become is phenomenal. Uh, and that's all I got to say on that. All right. I, I think <laughs> that you said it, I, that, that works for me. We can leave it there with, um, with, with Aaron. Um, and now I want to move on to uh, what, you know, anybody that knows either of us knew that we we're going to get to, and that's talk about the goaltending. Um, Not us, never. So, I mean, I think if you tend to take a step back, it's kind of what you expected in, in production result wise. I think the way that it has arrived perhaps isn't what we expected. I think uh, a lot of us thought that Spencer Knight was going to play a much bigger part in the success of, uh, of the expected success, the, how we thought that it was going to shake out with the goaltending, but Knight, you know, has struggled. Um, not anything super concerning, Maybe, you know, when you think about the bar that he had set for himself and not really meeting those expectations. Um, but then on the flip side of that, you've got Sergei Bobrovsky, who, you know, for the most part is playing, it was certainly, you can't argue, he's playing his best hockey as a Panther. Uh, he got off to a really amazing start, uh, hit a little bit of a maybe first two-year Bob stretch. Um, but overall, um, I think he's playing much better. I think he simplified his game. It's great to see him challenging more and using his frame to his advantage. Um, and and I, I think, Ian, I, to simplify it as best I can, and I'll let, you, um, I'll let you go on after this, is just he's not giving up the cheap, shitty goals. Um, they're not squeaking through. The six and seven holes have been closed for the most part, and his five hole has been, has been a lot better as well. Um, so I, I think it's just really down to simplifying things, being compact and challenging. And I think one of the best ways to look at this, and and you and I talked about it last season, I've never seen a goalie literally jumping to try to, like, on his feet 
jumping and trying to hit things. It just, it's not a thing that regular goaltenders do. It's not a thing that Billy Bob was known for. Um, and it was I don't jump and I'm five, eight. Well, I'm also right. lazy, but I'm just like, I'm just to kind of prove to, to further your point. Like, yeah, it's it, not something that you see goalies need needed. to do. Yeah. Right. So when he was doing that, oh, not often, but often enough to where I noticed it right last season, it was weird. He's done it once that I've seen so far this season. And it was not a great game for him, but nonetheless. Well, for a guy that's a student of the to, game, like Bob, I think, yeah, not to cut you off. I just think it shows like how he was too much in his head. So that's what I'm getting to was it shows how he has sort of simplified and stopped doing some of the extra. And one of the things that you and I, when we first signed Sergei Bobrovsky and we first saw him in a practice and we first talked about in the, the very first time we did a podcast about it and talked about it, we talked about how, what was so awesome about what he did was it didn't seem like there were extra moves, right? It's, it's sort of the things that we say about Spencer Knight now, and, and we'll get into that in a second, where it's, it's deliberate and it's not flailing, but something got lost in the first two seasons and something, something broke. I don't know what it was. I don't mean physically, but in his game where he was, always slightly out of position and he was always flailing and he was always letting up these bullshit goals that his team would have to then score five, six goals a game to try to get a win. Right. The Sergei Forgolsky as, as Twitter, Twitter likes to, likes to bring up Uh, dad, Bob was not giving up those goals. Uh, He's looked, I mean, look, and, and you can, we can talk about him going on a bit of a slide uh, here sort of lately but it's hard to argue with 12 3 and 2 um and it's 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 hard to argue with 12 3 and 2 and a 247 right you'd like to see that i I can't believe i'm saying you'd like to see that 247 come back down a little bit but like he was playing at a you know 210 goals against average or something like that two two you know the side percentage is 917 like that, is, that's your sweet spot right there. It's beautiful, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and anything above that, you're you're talking, you're talking Vesna. Yeah, you're, uh, you talking, know, you're talking above a night, right? You're talking. So um, I don't know if you wanna if you wanna get the sort of flow right into Spencer Knight or not. Tell me if, if you do or no, don't. So away. um thumbs up. So I think what we're seeing from Spencer Knight is is almost the exact opposite. And unfortunately, um from a development standpoint, this was is not surprising, right? You're taking a kid who is, I mean, quite literally a child. He's 20 years old. He cannot even legally drink. You take him from Boston College, where he had a fantastic career, and you throw him into the NHL. Now, you threw him into, I mean, literally the the NHL playoffs last season and he looked great but he almost but my thought process here and and you know you may not agree with me David is I think because he was I mean and he had what one two three preseason game or regular season games before that but I think he didn't have enough time to think 
And I think when you, when you're a player like he is, where it's his game is so based on knowing his positioning and being in the right place and doing, and I, I use this word before, very deliberate movements and being calm and collected in the net. He didn't have time to freak out and overthink and all of these things. He is now, or well, he was playing one out of every four games. I believe it was like three, one or two, one. Was it two, one or three? It one? started as two, as two, to, two to one, two to one. And then, and then it, it went to three, three to one. one. Yeah. So he was, he was playing every third game or every fourth game. So he's doing sitting, sitting there doing a lot of thinking. He's 20 years old. He is, which he also never, hasn't done much of, by the way, just to literally the word I was, the words I was about to say is he's literally never not been a starting goaltender oh, okay. and Man. never not played every night. You know, talk is ridiculous. Uh, We're really annoying. That's <laughs> really annoying. Uh, <laughs> he has never done that before. Yeah. And, and when, and, and there were some games where he came in and, and, and played and started and looked great and there were some that he looked not so great but honestly where he has looked worst is in the couple games where he has to has had to come in for relief as relief for bob and he's let up and and i think he's done it three times and it, at least two of them he's let up the first shot which is something i used to do and i was not that good uh i was great the rest of the game but i always let up the first shot but it, it, it's it's just from a development standpoint you hope you i was hoping that and I, I say you as a collective everybody you were hoping that he was sort of different and he could skip the the seasoning and he could be okay with learning under bob and and not playing every night but the move to the ahl after what we're seeing from him right now i mean look he's at a 342 goals against average he's at an 892 he's at a sub 900 save percentage and 892 is not not terrible. It's not good, and it's not Spencer Knight good, um, and it's not what he can be. So, no. in my opinion, the AHL move is the correct move. Um, I don't know much about uh, the guy they brought in uh, in Jonas his Johansson. stead from Colorado, Jonas Johansson. Other than that, his name is much easier to remember than it just was for that moment that I forgot it. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think he plays much, right. Unless Bob needs a night off here and there on a back-to-back, but nonetheless for Spencer it's not panic time. This is a 20 year old kid, the development from a development standpoint, this is what is supposed to happen, right? You are supposed to go from uh, juniors or one of the other leagues or college into the A get your time, especially as a goaltender, right? Goaltenders take longer. Goaltenders are weird. Goaltenders are not very rarely able to just be thrown in. Look at Carter Hart. Look at the regression he had last season. He's been better again this season when he's been healthy. But you saw what happened when you throw a kid into the fire like that. And and Spencer Knight uh, sort of had some of that, I think. And I think the AHL getting consistent nights, getting consistent time, is going to be is going to hopefully get him back on track and and I am I would imagine before the end of the season he's back up in in Florida and Sunrise for a significant stretch. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, well said. You know that we, you don't fault the Panthers for seeing if Spencer Knight was going to be 
this generational right. possible goalie that you, I mean, you think about it, Patrick Waugh did it, came, came up in the, you know, as a teenager in the eighties, won a Stanley cup and became Patrick Waugh. Martin Brodeur came up as a 20 year old in the nineties, won a, you know, went to uh East final his rookie year, won a cup in his sophomore year. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, there might be somebody I'm not thinking of that came into the league as a young teenager and, you know, had that kind of success, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I flurry came in early as a teen, but it took him and the Penguins a while before they became good together. Uh, I know Bennington was one as a rookie, but I think he was an older rookie. Um, when he, yeah, had, he had bounced around a little while, yeah. So, I mean, really, it's so rare when you see somebody even on the path that Spencer Knight was on. So, you know, I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination is a time to, to uh, label him as anything but a 20 year old goaltender in his first pro season, really. Um, and yeah, I agree with you that um, right now, the Panthers basically, you know, you've got, you've got your depth. When Gibson got hurt, you need three guys and they've got that. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out as the rest of the year goes on. They might have something in this Johansson kid. He had some good starts with Colorado this year. Um, and, you know, getting night another 20, 30 games is a good thing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on to a couple other guys I wanted to discuss. Uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go up and down the roster, but uh, hold on, go ahead, Ian. One second. How yeah. old do you think Jordan Bennington is? Uh, twenty six. He's twenty eight. So he's he won that. He yeah. So he's not. I mean, there's eight year difference. And and again, Jordan Bennington's not a rookie. He's been around for what three seasons now, but he still was twenty five, twenty six when he right, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six when he did that. It's different goalies take time sorry we can move on now no you're good um all right so we'll move on like i was saying like i don't want to go through the entire roster because you know people have got things to do but um the first guy i want to touch on is carter verhady who i i kind of feel like he's still underrated and i know that people realize that he's a good player and he does well on that first line with barkov i i just i love watching him play i love watching how hard he skates and how hard he pushes it every single shift um, and he really is a perfect fit into this Panthers possession style of hockey that they play. And I mean, he really, I, like in my opinion, he does it all. He's a playmaker. He puts pucks on net, certainly not afraid to be physical and mix it up in that regard. He's great on the boards, winning boards battles, and he's a 200 way guy. He's a smart defensive player. Uh, I, I really think that he's not talked about enough. And I think you mentioned it earlier. It's like the, the playing in Florida thing. Um, I think the Panthers, you know, being the team that it looks like they're going to be, when they get some exposure in the playoffs over the coming years, uh, that will change. But I think right now, Carter Verhage, I don't think I don't think people realize how good this guy is. Well, was it was it on your YouTube show when when even Bucci said something along the lines of Verhage and Duclair are you know sort of above average average players, and and you know Barkov looks like Barkov even with them. Was it was it on your YouTube show yeah. or your podcast? Yeah, even even Bucci doesn't see it right and that guy you know uh that guy knows hockey and that guy it's his job that's what he does 24 7 so look i think it's what's funny to me is it seems like when either carter verhage or anthony duclair or sam reinhardt one of the three at all times is just cursed and cannot hit the back of the net uh the other two tend to be fine one of them tends to all the time it just sort of rotates between the three of them um but Verhage is exactly built for this team, is exactly built for this style of play. I think 
I mean, he was the guy that last season when we did a, did a, a preview podcast, I, you know, my bold prediction, quote unquote, was that he was going to be a guy to watch and a, and a breakout player. And I put <laughs> breakout prediction and right. That paid off for me, but I put breakout yeah, right? prediction in, in quotes because he was, you know, the AHL leading scorer how many years ago. Uh, so, I mean, look, this is a guy that had potential was buried in Tampa. The Panthers snagged him for absolutely nothing. And it has paid off in spades as has many of the moves that they've made like that. Um, Yep. I, I, what's been great to see with Verhage and a couple of the other guys too, that we'll touch on, I'm sure is even without Barkov has his production dropped off a little. Sure. Maybe a little bit. You don't have Alexander Barkov passing to you, but not much. He's still got 22 points in 28 games with seven goals and 15 assists. And some of those goals have been huge absolutely huge uh i really can't complain about anything uh carter verhage has done he's been good on the in the defensive zone too he's been responsible in his back check uh which is something that as a former goalie i pay attention to because you know there's nothing that drives us crazy more than someone that doesn't play defense uh and i got nothing i mean truly uh he's been a perfect puzzle piece fit and what I like to see a couple more goals from him. Sure. But I mean, he's on pace for what, I mean, they've played 28 games. So they're, I mean, he's on pace for beating his own points record. So what what are you going to say? He's been great except for maybe last season. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. yeah, And uh, you kind of touched on the, you know, the next day I want to talk about in, in terms of like the production that you got from Verhage for a relatively small investment. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Anthony Duclair and you can really say the same thing. Um, I thought Duke was, was fine last year. I thought uh, there was some frustration because you really saw, um, you saw the potential and you saw like, man, what, imagine if that, this guy was like going, going at that top speed at that top level, every shift. This season, I think we're seeing a lot more of that. Um, he, he still could have another gear to hit. Again, not, he's still just 26 himself. Um, but I think you're seeing a lot more consistency out of Anthony Duclair. I don't think he's necessarily doing anything different other than he's doing it more, maybe a little faster, maybe a little bit more confidence. Um, but I, I'm just been so happy with uh, what I've seen from Duclair this year. I really think he's, he's turned a corner in his game. Um, the one area that I will say, I've noticed him more this season is in the defensive zone. Um, he's active, his feet are moving, he's getting in passing lanes and, and granted, I mean, it's, it's pushing the offense, which is the name of his game, but he's still like, he's not hurting the team in the, in their own zone. He's helping the team in their own zone. When you add that to the game of a guy like Duclair, uh, you know, all the more better, especially on this Panthers team. So it's just great to see. And I, he, he's maybe been my favorite guy to watch this year, just because of uh, how, how happy I've been with uh, the improvement from last season. And I mean, look, he's only got one penalty, uh, one minor penalty all season. So he's not wow. hurting you there either, which is, which is not part of his game anyway, right? He's not a mix it up guy. He's he'll defend his teammate. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a mix it up guy, but only one penalty. Yeah. Yes. He's missed eight games. 
And here is a, a, a uh, pretty hot take for you. I think, and I don't want this taken the wrong way, but I think in the eight games Anthony Duclair has not played, what he brings to the team has been missed maybe, maybe even more than what Alexander Barkov misses. And here's why. Here's why I'm going to hedge. The, the center, look, is Alexander Barkov a top 10 player in the league? Yes. That can't be replaced. That's not what I mean. The center depth on this team is good enough to cover up a little bit of what Barkov takes away. There are may, there's maybe one, two other guys on this team, maybe. And the honestly, the only one I could think of is Lomberg. Correct me if I'm wrong, that are that have the wheels to take the top. I mean, it's like a Petrano. it's like a football term. Frankie's not has he been doing it? He hasn't been doing it. No, well, that's that's another topic, but to be discussed in terms of yeah, but nonetheless, so to put it into football terms, Duclair has the ability to take the top up a defense, right? How many times have we seen and he did it last season, but he's finishing them this season, or he's or he's creating opportunities that are being finished this season. How many times have we seen him streaking down past the defense down the right side and cutting across to the middle? And are they creating a wide open chance for somebody else or finishing it himself with that Bill Lindsay-esque diving goal he had <laughs> earlier in the season that is still shown on highlights on NHL network. Um, that is missing. That transition, that speed transition was, was, sorely missed when he was out for those eight games now is he the shutdown defensive center that that uh alexander barkov is is he the setup man that alexander barkov is no but you can sort of hide a little bit of that with the attributes that the center depth which has taken a serious hit by injuries and covid and things like that you can hide some of what barkov what Barkov missing, you can hide some of that. You can't hide a lack of speed in your top six. And it's not saying those guys are slow. They're not Anthony Duclair fast. There aren't many guys in the NHL that are Anthony Duclair fast. I would say there's maybe 10, 15 that are faster. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, no. And I agree with you that he does, that element is maybe the hardest to replace. I wouldn't say he's as valuable as Barkov just because Barkov is Barkov. But right. uh, yeah, it's tough to replace. And I, I think it was more glaring because when Duclair was out of the lineup, uh, Barkov was already out and Duclair kind of was keeping that line, that first line pressure going. When you saw them mm-hmm. both out, suddenly the Panthers lost the ability to have those power lines at the top, those, you know, those top two lines that you're really pushing and you're demoralizing teams by keeping pucks in their end for, you know, 30, 60 seconds at a time. Um, that, that's where you really saw the team fall off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of falling off, that was a rare segue that goes unplanned but works. Um, is Sam Bennett, who I guess you know it had to happen eventually, considering uh, the ridiculous start he had with the team last season after the trade deadline, and he even started this season kind of at that same level. He, uh, he started this year with twelve points in his first fifteen games. He had the hat trick, I think it was in game two, um, and he's just. His only two points are two goals in the last nine games. That's it. Um, he's not as noticeable in the offensive zone. 
Uh, I mean, you know, you think about how flashy he'd been and him and Huberto were just had these great plays and they were constantly moving the puck. Well, um, you know, gorgeous passing sequences. Um, you're just not seeing it for whatever reason uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, he's still extremely solid defensively, which, you know, is that at the end of the day, you've got this very solid two-way center. But when you start with a team the way he has, and when you saw the production and the chemistry uh, that we did, you know, my only hope is that when the injuries calm down and kind of the lines get back to what we saw, at least the, the top six-wise, that we can see Bennett get back to what we saw uh, when he first showed up in South Florida. But um, overall, Ian, heading into at least this part of the season, uh, he's definitely been in, in a bit of a slump. He's not on the Panthers roster on the NHL website. Oh, that's because of um, he's on non-roster COVID. Ah, okay. I didn't, that's a good point. That makes sense. I was yeah, very, there's a few guys that are missing because I saw Bark. So I saw Barkov there and I was like, okay, they have the guys that are out, but obviously I are very different than non-roster COVID. Thank you for clearing up my confusion. Uh, Yes. It's been, I mean, look, there was going to be some regression to the mean, right? He was not going to be able to maintain the pace that he was on shooting percentage wise. Uh, I think the regression has been a little more than we hoped. Um, or maybe expected, but I think a lot of that may have to do with Sam Bennett's not a first line center. Um, now, did the Panthers have a true second line? Not really. The Panthers had a 1A and a 1B. But when you are the number one line and there's not a 1A, 1B, if you are the number one line, very often you are going up against the number one D pairing, the number one line or number two line of the other team. When you're the number two line, you might get that second D pairing. You might get that second or third line. I think Sam Bennett, and this is, it's, it's okay. Point by you. It's a good point. It's okay to be a number two center. Uh, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a one C. And I think he may, of anybody on the team, and it's funny because it's not on his line, but Alexander, uh, but Alexander Barkov being out may have affected Sam Bennett more than anybody else in that offense. Uh, and that's honestly a conclusion I came to as I was talking that through. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, right? I, it was something that it makes I a lot of sense and have thought about, but it, it makes a lot of sense. He's not yeah. a first line center. We've seen that, right? Was Calgary using him correctly? Probably not. We've seen what he can be. We've probably seen a hyper version uh, of what he can be. That's awesome. But I don't think he's what he's doing right now. And I don't think he's what he was in Calgary. I think he's somewhere in between where he is now and that version of Sam Bennett that we saw through the end of last season into the playoffs uh, into the beginning of the season. I just think he's not a one. He's not a one C. And that's, again, it's, it's okay. The good news is you got a really fucking good one C. His name is Alexander Barkov. No one's ever called him Alejandro. Not on this podcast. Uh, forget what you heard. Uh, and I think when he comes back, some of that attention from a first-line D pairing or a first-line offensive pairing comes off of them, a little bit of that heat. And I think Sam Bennett is... Is a good second line center. I think he's 
a below average first line center. And we're seeing that. Yeah, I, I won't argue that point. I think it makes sense that you've seen him struggle a little bit more since he's been asked to fill kind of that top line role and that attention shifts away from Sasha Barkov. Um, and yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, now going Which, from for the guy- record shows you how special Alexander Barkov is when they know well ahead of time that that's the guy and they're putting, <laughs> they're planning for him and they're putting those people on him and he still performs to the level he does. Just yeah, well, Barkov more is... praise heaped on Alexander Barkov. Just yeah. Heaping it. So from a guy who was struggling in Bennett to a guy who's turned his game up a notch, and that's the other Sam, Sam Reinhardt. Um, you know, he started maybe a little slow uh, for, I don't know what the expectation was generally, to be honest, with Sam Reinhardt. I just knew what he could bring to the table, and I was excited to see as he adapted with the Panthers. It wasn't overly concerning. When he started the season with uh, just three goals and 11 points in his first 19 games. Um, and again, we've seen him, you know, round into the player that, that at least I expected him to become uh, as his time with the Panthers, you know, continued. Um, and now you're seeing over his last 10 games, uh, he's got 12 points. Um, and you've seen all year, he's got this really quick release. He gets pucks to the net. He's got an accurate shot. Um, what, what I've noticed more is that his positioning and his play without the puck have seen have been coming easier to him. And, you know, it's just more, you know, muscle memory and less having to think when you're on the ice. And I think that's really all it comes down to. And we're starting to see Sam Reinhart, uh, the Panthers, Sam Reinhart, that they're going to see for the foreseeable future. And even with his quote unquote struggles this year, uh, still 23 points in 29 games and, uh, you know, nine goals, one off the team lead of Huberto and Barkov with 10. Uh, just, you know, overall, you got to like what you're seeing from uh, Samuel Reinhardt. And it's just a thing I said about Verhage too. Some of those goals, some of those nine goals, I mean, there's right, the one, the game winner uh, in that crazy comeback is the one that pop, that pops in everyone's head. But some of those goals have been big, big time goals. Um, you mentioned it. He's got 23 points, 12 of them, right? So nearly half of them are in the last 10 games which right. is basically only the last third of their games. He has scored half of his points. This is more what we expected. He's approaching a point per game average. I don't expect him to be at a full point per game. I expect him to be kind of where he is right now, plus or minus, you know, here or there. I'm, I am, I'm, I'm, we're seeing what I expected to see with Sam Reinhardt. We're seeing what they wanted to get and why they went big, big fish hunting, big, you know, big game hunting for Sam Reinhardt in this off season. And he's sort of bringing that piece and it's, it was the perfect time to do it. Right. I mean, the, the Panthers needed it. The Panthers needed some more, some goal scoring and some point scoring from somewhere. And they got it from Sam Reinhardt and it came at the right time. Uh, yeah. I think that what's interesting is he seems to kind of show chemistry with anyone you put him with. Um, in, in fact, the only time he didn't really show chemistry was at the very beginning of the season when he was on that. I think he was on the top. Uh, no, he wasn't on the top line. It was, it was yeah, no, he started off. the year on the first line. He was okay. Very briefly. So that may have been the, so that may have been the first, that may be the only time he didn't show any chemistry, but also I think it took him a minute to kind of get used to the system and kind of get used to playing in Florida and kind of get used to playing for this team. I wouldn't be surprised if you put him back up there and he did. Now, would I want to break up for Hagee Duclair Barkov? No, not necessarily when Barkov comes back. Um, but I think we saw it when he played with Anton Lundell. 
We've seen it when he played with uh, Jonathan Huberto, which again, Jonathan Huberto kind of same kind of thing makes everybody look good. Um, Sam Bennett, maybe not as much, but that may be more saying something about Sam Bennett. I think that Sam Reinhardt shows chemistry with every single guy he plays with. It's kind of the same thing that I love about Anton Lindell, who I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about briefly here. Uh, and I'm very impressed. Uh, I knew it, I assumed we would be, and I just hope we continue to see this Sam Reinhardt through the rest of the season. Uh, and if they do that, I mean, it's just a, it's an invaluable piece. Yeah. And I would expect when, you know, when the team is back to uh, I guess 100% or whatever you want to call it, when everybody's back to healthy and they can uh, you know, put the lines how they want to, instead of having to do mate shift uh, you'll probably see you know, what you discussed getting back to that top line of Barkov centering for Haiti and Duclair. I think at this point, uh, Reinhardt has earned his spot with uh, Huberdeau and Bennett. I think at, at, at the same token, and this kind of goes into our next uh, topic, uh, taking the spot that early in the season when Reinhardt was taken off the first line and Duclair was put there, instead of going to that second line, uh, that was Owen Tippett's spot. Because Owen Tippett took control of that spot late last season. He came up, looked good. And now here we are. Uh, he's really fallen off, Ian. I thought he started the season reasonably. Um, you're just not seeing the production there. You're seeing bits and pieces of this solid guy. There's just not the consistency. And I, you know, at this point, uh, the creams that arise at the top. And I think that spot is now going, it's got to be Sam Reinhardt's and you've got to hope that just Owen Tippett can find his game, maybe alongside a guy like Anton Lundell, who we are going to talk about. Um, but uh, overall, you know, disappointing so far this season with Owen Tippett. Oh goodness. I mean, he had a, he had a good end of last season. He had a great preseason. I mean, he was fantastic at the preseason. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he, he started fine. Uh, but man, I mean, four goals, six assists when playing most of your, of most of the time with Huberdo and Bennett. So it's not like he doesn't have skilled players next to him. Um, I do. I will say I love, I absolutely love the style he has been playing with more this season using his body using his speed the problem has been it's almost like his vision hasn't been able to keep up with the improvements he's made in the physicality the physical portions of his game it seems like he's always slightly in the wrong spot it he he can't hit the broad side of a barn with his shot right now and and that's, I mean, look, that's when Owen Tippett was drafted into this league and when Owen Tippett was coming up uh, with the Steelheads and then with Springfield, his calling card was that NHL caliber shot. They, he just needed like the physical stuff needed to catch up with him. He needed to, you know, he needed to get bigger. He needed to get stronger. He's got four goals. And how many of them have come? lately none it's just been i mean I, I maybe he's snake bitten a little bit uh we saw that with duke last season obviously but I, I gotta see more it doesn't feel like when he's got the puck on his stick it doesn't feel like there's a high it doesn't feel like there's a high danger situation coming i don't know if it's his vision i don't know if it's i, I don't know because i actually have liked 
seeing him use his body more, seeing him really be more physical with the puck in the corners on the boards, uh, which has been something that I thought I didn't even know if that was going to be his game. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that. He's trying to use his speed more. Is he the fastest guy on the ice? No, but he is fast. Uh, I mean, you got to start hitting the net. You can't, you can't, he misses the net so often. It's, it's a little ridiculous. Uh, He's only I got 49 you, shots this year, which is I on the lower you, side for Florida's forward for Florida's, you know, main players. Yeah. That's it's less than two shots a game. Yeah. When you're a top, when you're a top, when you're a top, you know, six to six forward for most of the season, you should have more than two shots a game. You should, it's just simple. You know who leads all He's, Panthers forwards in shots? Uh, my guess would, well, I, I, my guess would have been Lomberg, but he hasn't played enough games to be up there. <laughs> uh, Horn, Hornquist might be up there, would be a, a, a chance. And then leading all Hornquist Panthers is up forward. there, but he's not first. Hornquist, I think, is third. I'm trying to look at the whole thing right now. But no, who leads all Panthers forwards in shots is Sam Bennett. That doesn't surprise me. You know who leads the team in shots? Probably Aaron Ekblad. Yeah, well, I was going to say, see, if you're smart, <laughs> you can figure it out right there. But yeah, Ekblad's got 94 shots. He just, he, honestly, he, he shoots more often than Ventrano and Tippett combined. It's unbelievable. Uh, and that's ridiculous. Um, just to kind of wrap it up, I think, and I and I texted you this, you know, I, I texted you a couple things, but one of the things was, are the Panthers practicing with a hot, with a soccer goal instead of a hockey net? Because <laughs> my goodness, they can't hit the net. Uh, but really, the one the thing that I was going to mention was that I met that I texted you recently was I, I don't think Owen Tippett keeps his role if Mason Marchment is healthy right now or if Maxine Mammon is healthy right now. Um, maybe if one of them was healthy, but if both of them, I, I don't think so. Those yeah. guys, those guys have played better. Uh, you're not touching Mammon, the fourth line, like Mammon has earned no. he he earned his spot until he got hurt. Yeah. He, he, you know, it was only two or three games, he, but there were two and three right. really good games, and you let you're gonna let him go, right? And you're gonna let him see if he can turn it into something, right? The fourth you're line, you don't touching, touch, you're not touching Louis Del Lomberg and Hornquist right now. They're, what they're doing is, is they're starting games, and it's ridiculous what they're doing right now. They're the only energy consistent energy I take. I don't want to take away entirely from everybody else, but the only line that every single time they come on there, you know exactly what you're going to get. I yeah. mean, maybe Vetrano, but like Vetrano realistically is going to be a trade piece, I think, at the deadline. And you need a you need game filled for him. You can't sit him right now. So who Tippett Tippett shouldn't be playing right now. He's not he's not helping the team. He the only reason he's I mean, literally, when I texted you that, your response was injuries. There's no choice. Yeah, I, I think Tippett and Vetrano at this point are your bubble roster guys. I think yep. when Marchment comes back, when Barkov is back, when Mammon is back, um, like we, I, I just wouldn't touch that fourth line, and until they fall off, and I just like with Maxine Mammon, but but even still, right? Because you just think, you know, real quick uh, thinking about how the how the roster shakes out, um, you're gonna have just we know what the top six is gonna look like, so and we know what the fourth line is gonna look like. So that basically leaves, yeah. and and Lundell is one hundred percent going to be that center. Right. You've got two spots. So you've got two two spots for Vetrano, Tippett, Marchment, Mammon, Mammon. Nolachari will be back eventually. 
Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you look, you would expect there to be some more fluidity because as much as I would love to see that fourth line, just stay like that the whole rest of the season, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some fluidity guys are going to get hurt. Yes. But yeah, I mean, Frank Vetrano and Owen Tippett, unfortunately have played themselves into that. We bubble didn't even transition mention Jumbo, spot. by the way. Yep, exactly. Joe Thornton. I think yeah. the, where they look out with Thornton is that they can keep him in and out of the lineup and kind of rest him and keep him fresh for the playoffs. Right. So it's not exactly like he doesn't have an everyday, everyday spot anyway. No, no. Um, but no, yeah, no, it, but I we mean, didn't even mention, I mean, it's another guy. I mean, I, you can't, first of all, you, you can't, there's only so many roster spots. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hope Owen Tippett, something clicks. Uh, I've, this was, this is, in my opinion, this is the season that it's, it, everything kind of needs to come together for him. And so far it has. All right. Well, we kind of touched I will on... say though, oh. one second, really quickly. Uh, him, London, I, there was one moment during that absolute uh, game that should never have been played uh, when they were COVID ridden. Against the Kings. riddled and right. When the, when the Charlotte checkers played the, played the Kings. Yeah. Uh, when I will say Lundell centering Tippett and Denisenko. I don't know how many shifts they got. They got at least one. They got, they got they a made, few. They had one rush that was very exciting. I don't know. Three first, three first round picks was very exciting for me to watch for like one shift, two shifts, three shifts, whatever it was. Yes. But nonetheless, the potential so, line. To, well, one of them. Oh, oh, hey, oh, audio headphone. Earbud down. It's okay. All right. Um. So yeah. Anyway, um, we kind of touched on a lot. Um, we touched on the fourth line, which has been great. Um, one thing that I did want to touch on, and really the last thing, uh, before we wrap it up, um, Anton Lindell. Um. Uh, Obviously, you know, just another one in this line of 20-year-old kids that the Panthers have going for him. But quietly having this really solid rookie season with 12 points in 25 games. Um, he's solid in all three zones. I mean, you know, you saw it right off the bat when they put him on the PK uh, and had him go in there. Uh, and just like what really impresses me is how smart he is. He's got this hockey IQ. It just reads like off the charts when you see him reading plays in both ends of the ice. I'm so excited, Ian, to just watch this kid grow. And it looks like they really uh, hit on one here. He is a mini Barkov. Uh, it's it's so incredibly impressive to see what he does. Uh, and the, I mean, the numbers, right? His rookie season so far, he's got, and this is not, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be better than Alexander Barkov, but his rookie numbers so far through, through 20 games, whatever it was, were, were higher than Alexander Barkov's were through 20 games. So look, it's not like this is, Shut un- <laughs> it's not like this is uncharted territory. Uh, I'm incredibly impressed with what he does night in, night out, especially on the penalty kill for a guy coming into his first year in the NHL with zero North American hockey experience, zero. Yeah. To see well, what he he's does doing. come from an area of the world where hockey is a huge, huge thing. Uh, where yes. he's from in Finland, uh, he's played in Helsinki. Like it's you know it's a mecca out there. Yes, but it's not which it's helps not him North here. American, not, yeah, absolutely. But it's. Not, I bet he dealt with more media. Is, 
in Lida than he deals with sure. here with us. That's very that's very possible, and you know. But he's so chill with the media. I, I think I'm kind of taking your point, uh, but he's just such a chill kid, right? He's, he's unbelievable. He's he's on the ice, off the ice. It's 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 so exciting to watch. Uh, you and I did a uh, podcast with a buddy of mine from the, that are Minnesota Wild fans, and they uh, it's called the the uh, oh I forget and good thing he probably won't hear this but nonetheless they do uh <laughs> they ask for people's like hot takes at the end uh and i said that i thought anton lundell uh could be a finalist for uh for rookie there for and and you know up there was zegras uh and all those guys uh again the issue may be the votes north of the border uh and the lack of national tv appearances despite being a top three team in the league but nonetheless uh what he's doing is unbelievable the i was trying to pull up quickly uh the number of takeaways he has uh but if you search florida panthers takeaways you just get uh basically a bunch of uh jameson articles uh his five <laughs> takeaways of the games uh jameson has totally cornered the takeaway market yeah he has uh so <laughs> not a quick unfortunately did not end up being the quick google i was hoping to get but when you watch what he does, it is reminiscent of Alexander Barkov. It's it's incredibly impressive. Uh, they hit a freaking home run on that pick. He's so far the steal of that draft uh, so far. And yeah, nothing nothing negative to say. Zero. No. And um, and nope. he's got he's got five points, seven assists, twelve. He's got five goals, seven assists, twelve points uh centering a third line that's bang on where you want someone to be through 25 games he's played yep 25 games for the 20 year old uh, and i'm really excited to see uh to see how it grows i mean just looking at the panthers roster and looking at like how they've got guys signed over the next few years yeah there there's going to be no reason to rush him at all um and just the way that they're gonna have to find a role for him i'm, I'm excited to see it and i think that's a great way to kind of end on a very positive note talking about this young, amazing kid. Um, and yeah, this was a lot of fun, Ian. I want to I thank you very much for, for joining me for episode 47 of the uh, Chirping the Cats pod to my, uh, my local 10 colleague and goaltending partner in crime. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me and sharing some of your hockey knowledge, my friend. It is a pleasure. Always an absolute blast. Happy to do it anytime. I'm sure we'll do it again, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And uh, everybody listening, I want to also thank you as well for listening and joining us on the pod. Uh, if you're a fan of my work, please, uh, you can find all my written work on uh, local10.com, which is the same place you can go to find all of Ian's wonderful work and see his uh, daily news packages. He works very hard and he does an excellent job. He, I could not do what this guy does. I have uh, a lot of respect for you, my friend. Um, but yeah, you can find everything that we do on the local 10 on local10.com or you can download the local 10 app as well. Um, and if you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at David Dwork. You can follow Ian on Twitter uh, at Ian Margle and at Ian Margle WPLG. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. If you follow me there, you just see me retweeting all the things that David tweets out. So, you know, yeah. all, the, all the Florida Panthers content you can handle. And then you follow <laughs> me and you get all of the Florida Panthers content you can handle a second time. Well, you've got your own <laughs> takes as well, which are always uh, well, fun for the most part. <laughs> 
They are um, uh, maybe slightly less professional than yours. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> and and on that note, <laughs> if you haven't you already, <laughs> please smash the subscribe button on this podcast and leave a great rating, <laughs> a comment, all that good stuff. It is very much appreciated. So again, um, for Ian Margle, uh, I'm David Twork. Until next time, everyone, please take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Uh, have a great holiday. Uh, be kind to each other. And of course, most importantly, stay cool. Stay cool.